Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today. We will be joined by Daryl Stinson on the show. He's a former college football player. He's a TEDx speaker and a suicide survivor. And all that he's been through has now led him to have uh, an inspiring faith, Hey, a, a, just an incredible testimony, and he ended up founding what's called Second Chance Athletes, a, a holistic athletic transition company to give athletes a second chance to succeed in life without the demands of sports. So this is a, a fascinating uh, guest, and, and the topics that we discuss today I think will be very eye-opening, thought-provoking, and, and again, inspiring. And just as we, we get into the conversation, part of it is, is about Daryl's story. And, and so we head down that path, and then kind of midway through, he pivots, and he just runs with it. And he just encourages us. He, he talks about Jesus. He talks about what athletes really go through when they transition away from the game. And, and there's so many... You know the, the the mental, emotional, spiritual side of it all is is really really interesting, and and so Daryl has experienced it himself, and and studied it, and and in dealing and working with athletes and speaking to athletes uh, has a lot to share. So honestly, we only scratched the surface with him today, and and we'll probably uh, need to have him back on uh, again uh, sooner than later. And and so he he does have a new book. Uh, which is also exciting, and so he'll talk about that as well, and it's called Who Am I After Sports? And, and so during the interview, I'll share a little bit just how kind of this topic maybe impacts me or, or my takeaways, and then following the conversation, I'll unpack it a, a little bit further. But before we do all that, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com, know your options, healthmarketgenius.com, Support them as they support us. Also, check out unpackingit.com. Make sure you subscribe to our weekday email devotional. Also, if you haven't subscribed to the Unpacking It podcast yet, I hope you'll do that. And, and also, please rate, review, share, and, and send us an email with some feedback. Bryce at unpackingit.com is my email, and I look forward to hearing from you. Well, let's jump in, and this is a Wow, this is a, a wow story. And so let's share it. Here is Daryl Stinson. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us right now, 
is Daryl Stinson. He played college football at Central Michigan from 2008 to 2011. He is a dynamic, motivational speaker and founder of Second Chance Athletes. He's been featured on Fox, ABC, NCAA, TEDx, and some of the top podcasts. After going from suicidal to successful, Daryl uses his experiences to help athletes and entrepreneurs shed their past stories and create a massive impact that aligns with their highest purpose. Daryl is the author of the new book, Who Am I After Sports? An Athlete's Roadmap to Discover New Purpose and Live Fulfilled. When he's not working, he's spending time with his wife and three beautiful daughters. I'm a girl dad as well, so I'm excited to welcome on Daryl Stinson. Daryl, thanks for being with us. How are you? And the crowd goes, ah. That's right. Make me feel welcome. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. It's going to be an exciting episode because I'm fired up because I know if you're tuning in, I know one thing about you at least. Number one, you're a sports fan. And then number two, you want to move your life forward. And that's what we're all about. So hopefully we can talk about some things that will be helpful to moving your life forward today. So thanks for having me on. Let's get after it. Amen. Absolutely. Well, well speaking of being a sports fan, first off, who are your teams? Who, who do you follow? I, th- I think you're from the Georgia area. So so where, where do you come out on? Yeah, so I live in Georgia now. I am from Michigan. I went to Central Michigan University. So I cheer for Central Michigan University, fire up chips, and then <laughs> – I am with with great honor say that I jumped ship from the Detroit teams all the way to the Atlanta team. So I'm a Braves fan. I'm a Falcons fan. Like I am a Georgia Bulldogs fan as long as they don't play CMU. And so I am all about our local teams here in Metro Atlanta. So sorry, Michigan. <laughs> Man, that, that's a big switch. And of course, the uh, the Lions Falcons game was an interesting one th- this past weekend. So yeah, yeah, I know, man. And it's so funny because when I first moved down here, they were like, "Oh, you're a Detroit fan." I was like, "Not at all." I went and bought a Atlanta Falcons short, and I said, "They've been letting me down for too many years." I jumped ship immediately. <laughs> now the Falcons are letting you down, so it's it's not uh, not a good thing. I can't win. I can't win. <laughs> Maybe it's me. <laughs> Maybe it's me. No, that, that that's cool. Well, those uh, yeah, because I'm in Charlotte, so. The Atlanta team, okay. a big uh, rival of, of yeah. the team. So uh, yeah. that's all right. That, that, that's fun. Well, well, today on the show, we, we want to share your story. And, yeah. and then from there, being able to you know, really learn and grow our, ourselves based on yeah. the, the lessons that you've learned and the principles that, that you've recognized and, and now teach and, and encourage others to, uh, yeah. to understand as well. And yeah. so I guess uh, going back to your playing days, how important were sports to you? What, what were your goals at, in, in regards to being an athlete? What, what were your visions and dreams for, for being an athlete? Yeah, so um, my goal was to be the best athlete of all time at, in both basketball and football. And so just for clarity, it wasn't to be a good athlete. It was to surpass Michael Jordan. Wow. And I so thought that I was going to do that. <laughs> you couldn't tell me anything different. And, um, you know, I, I also want to give you this perspective as listeners that when you hear my story, don't don't 
don't think about me, but think about the high school kid that you knew growing up who was really good at sports, who who played multiple sports. They were a champion, a rock star. They probably played in college. Maybe they're playing in the pros now because my story is very similar to many of those in the sense that sports for me was uh, the way my ticket, my vehicle to success. It was the thing that I I, I had to cope with my emotional baggage. So when I, you know, felt frustrated at life, frustrated with self, frustrated with people, I would just score points, dunk and tackle people. And that's what sports was to me. And because I came from a community um, and a family that was low income, um, you know, I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the guy that bought my mom a house and bought my dad a car. And every time I say that, I was like, I don't know why I wanted to get my mom a house and my dad a car. Like, I love them both equally the same, but that was just in my mind, you know. And so it, it, the point is that I would be the person to pull my family out of poverty. And, um, and and so that's what sports was to me and what it means to many people who are aspiring to play at a higher level. I guess talk to maybe about the, the pressure that you felt, because not only did you mm-hmm. want to, to do that, but there was a, a I assume a level of pressure that, that many athletes feel that because they have these these gifts and talents on the field or court, that then they have to live up to it and, and maximize that. The pressure is actually what helped me to perform. I perform well under pressure. Like when we're down 10 and it's two minutes left on the clock, give me the ball, like put me in the game because that's how I function. That's why, you know, during the pandemic, you know, we've been able to function so well and step up to the demands is because, you know, we're a bunch of athletes and that's what we do. So pressure wasn't a negative thing. It was actually a a fuel, a motivator. Um, I think the negative side of it was that there was no room for failure. Like failure was just not an option, right? So so even when my body started to fail me and I had to have emergency back surgery in uh, my sophomore year, excuse me, and in my freshman year in college, and I should have been done playing, to me, failure wasn't an option. So instead of making a logical decision and being like, you know what, I get a full ride scholarship, I can focus on my education, I can come around football whenever I want. I did the stupid thing <laughs> that many athletes do and I put my body through hell to play the game. I actually begged the university to let me play. Um, they uh, made me sign a liability waiver so that they would not be liable for my injury or death. And then I spent about two years addicted to opioids and uh, manipulating the healthcare system to get multiple epidural shots in my back so that I can just numb the pain to play this game of football to make it to the next level because failure was not an option. And that's the negative side of that pressure is when it's your God when it's the thing that is going to save you, you won't let it go. Even if that's the best decision you should make, even if God is like, let this thing go. You're like, I can't because this is how I get affirmation. I can't because this is how we're going to pull our family out of poverty. I I can be good at something else, but I can't reach the top of another industry. Like I could sports. I can make easily, you know, I I was going to, I'm sure I would have got drafted, but let's say, let's say I did it. And I just made the league minimum $300,000. What job out of college is going to pay me $300,000. So failure was not an option. I'd rather put my body through hell than to quit and let failure be an option. So that's the negative side of that pressure that we're speaking about. Wow. So that, that, that's major. So, so here you are, you, you end up being able to play college football, which, you know, going back to what, what you said, as far as high school players, the best high school player in our town may or may not have been able to go play in college. And maybe they played a year, maybe they went to a small school, whatever. So you, there you were playing division one college football and, and hanging on, wanting to keep going. And so uh, 
Take us into even during that time where you are hanging on, was the thought then still, okay, I'm still going to try to get to the NFL. That, that, yeah, that's what was most Absolutely. I was 6'5". On my highest playing weight, I was 275, uh, probably average somewhere between 255, 265, just depending on how many cheeseburgers I ate that week. And I, I was in high school, I ran track. Um, I ran the 110 hurdles. So usually defensive linemen, when they participated in track and field, they were like shot putters, you know? So I say that to say that I am probably single-handedly the reason why Eric Fisher went number one in the draft. Pick. I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. Um, I do, I do talk about that in the book though, but um, seriously, I, I was talented and um, to be a big, fast guy, very desirable. So, so that's why I was able to, within six months after back surgery, where I was supposed to be out for a year, mm. was able to earn a starting position because me hurt was better than the next guy fully healthy. And that's just the reality, right? That's why you can see a Kevin Durant come in a game, even though he's clearly not 100%, because him hurt is better than the next guy fully healthy, but then he put his body at risk. And so that's what I did. So that was kind of the pressure that I was facing at that time. Wow. So, okay, so there, there you are. You're, you're, you're hanging on playing, but then you, you mentioned the opioids. And so mm-hmm. take me into what the – what that addiction was because oftentimes yeah. I think of, you know, drug addiction as numbing the pain, even emotionally, but then there's also the physical pain and, and, and you were motivated by football and, and yeah. it gets a little uh, hairy or different than gotcha. maybe our, our, what we think from the outside. I got you, man. Um, so how honest can I be? <laughs> it's the question. Are you sure you want to ask me this question? All right. Yeah. Um, so you might have to edit this out, but here's what happened. So, uh, number one, I went to the hospital and when you're a division one athlete and you have a back surgery, you can get whatever you want. Okay. So that was number one. So you get oxycodones and Vicodins and whatever, whatever, whatever's causing you pain. Um, they'll give you something to relieve that pain. Um, because I was playing, I had a couple of instances where I had to go to the emergency room, uh, a couple of back spasms during practice. Literally one time I remember um, I could not even stand up straight because my back was spazzing so fast. I had to have one of my um, roommates and a former uh, uh, defensive lineman as well carry me to the car, drive me to the hospital, carry me into the hospital. When I got there, they gave me a steroid pain shot in my back. And because um, I had to wait until I could see my physician, they gave me um, about 20 uh, pain steroids, Mm. which then I (laughs) used for game days. So this is where some of that manipulation started to come in. So I had a a, a prescription uh, to pain medication, number one. Number two, (laughs) this is the part you might have it out. I am from the streets, and so I have access to drugs. Um, And because that wasn't enough, um, I started to get it from the streets. Um, Also, when you consider the fact that um, I was paying for my medical bills out of my own pocket, I don't know. Have you ever seen a medical bill price? Oh, rough. It's terrible. So imagine being a college student with a medical bill that the university can't cover because then they'll be liable for my injury. You signed it off. Yep, I signed it off. So they can't cover it or else I can sue them and be like, look, they supported me playing because, you know, they paid for my rehabilitation. And so um, I, I, I uh, 
paid for that out of pocket. My personal insurance was PPO. So there was no close place where I could go and get consistent rehabilitation. So I paid for it out of pocket. Plus I was doing some special procedures, um, you know, seeing specialists. Uh, I was getting nerve killings. Um, I was getting acupuncture done to my back, which some of that stuff isn't covered by insurance anyway. So then I started to sell the drugs that I was becoming addicted to. And my life was like this for two years. I was taking opioids, football practice, selling drugs, going to classes, (laughs) high in class. And then it was just out of control, but it was all in the spirit of, look, if I can just show everybody that I can perform, if I just get this opportunity to go to the camp, they're going to see me, this big six five guy who's agile, who has all this upside, who can give Eric Fisher a run for his money, and then they're going to draft me. I'm going to get a contract. I'm going to get more money. I'm going to have more money to hire the best medical professionals in the world. They're going to fix my back. I'm going to become the best athlete of all time. And that was my psychology at the time. And so, you know, one of the things that, you know, before we get into some more traumatic stuff that I want to emphasize here um, is, is when, when you ask the question, why dude, why didn't you listen to your body? Why didn't you listen to some of the speakers that came in and said, man, look, uh, you're, they, they're going to look through all your medical records and they're not even going to give you an opportunity to play in the league. Like, why didn't you make a pivot earlier so you could focus on your education? The answer is simple. The answer is the same reason why Michael Phelps, with all the money, all the resources, could come on national television and say that I can't get over depression. Mm. And the words are athletic identity. Mm. It is the one thing that makes this book, Who Am I After Sports, so unique. And it's something that I need help getting to every athlete on this planet because journaling, uh, meditating, um, declaring affirmations, all uh, talking to people, counselors, all that stuff. I do it all. I encourage it all. Uh, take medication. If you need to take medication, antidepressants I'm referring to. If your body has a chemical imbalance, take what you need to make the, the, the to balance the equation. But there's this element that we don't talk about in this athletic identity and traditional mental health practices cannot speak to it because they don't understand it. They don't know that they think that we as athletes have, why should we be sad when we got to experience with only 5% of all athletes get to experience or 1% of your professional, right? (laughs) Well, the reason is because of athletic identity. And when you lose your identity, you lose your value, your worth, and you struggle with depression. And we have some very unique processes in our material and our coaching process in this book that helps high at, well, excuse me, the correct term now is fused athletic identity. People who identify with the role of an athlete to a high degree. Mm. We have processes that are specific for them, remedies that are specific for them. Let me give you a couple examples if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sharing this because we don't get to go here on a lot of episodes. Everybody wants to hear how do you overcome suicide and things like that. And I'm like, I can follow me on YouTube, you know, <laughs> listen to that. But I want to give your listeners something different because they are sports fans. Yeah. They care about athletes when everybody else just wants an autograph. These sports fans want the person. They care about them beyond the field. They follow them. They want to know what they're doing for, for long term. Here's an example. Okay. One of the things that makes uh, life after sports so challenging and as it relates to mental health <clears throat> for former athletes is this thing we call potential. Mm. It's, it's the fact that I was 6'5". I ran track and field. I could have, should have, 
would have. Mm. And Bryce, I know, I, I, I know, dude, I know you know this. So let me, let me just ask you, okay, do you, yes or no, hear from a lot of former athletes how awesome of an athlete they could have been? <laughs> of course, yeah. All the time. Yep. It doesn't matter what level they played at, high school, little league. And then let me ask you this question. Does the story get bigger and bigger course, and bigger? Of course. I went from running a 4.7 to a 4.6 <laughs> to a 4.5 to a 4.4. Four. Now I just broke the record in my school. <laughs> right, yep. And it's the same thing that caused Michael Jordan um, on the Last Dance documentary, having won six wings, having been labeled the greatest basketball player of all time by many, by the majority, oh, yeah. to look at the camera and, and tear up mm-hmm. and allude to the fact that he was upset because he think they could have won seven. <laughs> yeah. I laugh. It's potential. And when you dwell on potential, it creates regret. Mm-hmm. Think about what could have happened if that person would have lived. Think about what could have happened if COVID never happened. Think about what could have happened if I would have shot that shot or if I would have ran just a little bit harder or if I would have proposed a little bit differently or if I would have, if I've, if, if, if. Think of what could have, should have, would have happened and it's tormenting to an athlete who had potential. Man. And here's the remedy. Instead of focusing on potential, Focus on accomplishments. It's a simple shift that pulled me out of depression. I was so focused on the fact that I played against Eric Fisher. I played against Brandon Trennings. I'll tell people the story of when I was in high school and they rated um, preseason Mr. Basketball my senior year and Draymond Green was number one and I was number three on the list. And I will let everybody know that because I wanted them to know how good of an athlete I could have been. But the truth was that while Eric Fisher was playing in the NFL, I could barely afford the cable bill to watch him on television. So rather than focus on my potential, which created regret, I started focus on my accomplishments, mm. created excitement, happiness, gratitude. Now, instead of looking at what I haven't done, who I could have been and feeling sorry for myself, I started looking at what I have accomplished, the experience I got to have as a college athlete to play with some of the best players in the world. I started focusing on the on, on the awards that I won and all the people I was able to inspire. I started focusing on the, the kid who was, you know, seven years old and in the wheelchair and just waited in the line for an hour to get this autograph from this Chippewa. And that, my friend, was a remedy for depression. That's what we're not talking about. As it relates to mental health, that's why you can have a guy like Michael Phelps who has all the resources, but yet he cannot overcome this because nobody's talking to the athletic identity because he's Michael Phelps. Who is he to complain? Just meditate. Just be grateful. Well, it's hard. But when somebody knows what it's like, it gets easier. And that's what we're here for, man. And I could go on and on and on, but I know we're we're getting close to our time. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having this conversation. And I, I and I know you're being so patient, and I want to allow you to ask questions and all that stuff, man. But um, I just want people to know that at the end of the day, you and I understand that Jesus Christ is ultimately the end goal. Mm. Stories out there online, I tell, I'll sum it up for you. Because of my opioid addiction, I was taking so many uh, pain pills that my blood was thinning to the point where every time I made contact on the field, my nose would bleed. Oh. The coaches saw that something was wrong, and they kicked me off the team. And I got angry and I got depressed 
it's not that I didn't think that I would be successful at anything other than sports. It's that I didn't think I would be fulfilled by anything else. And a future that was unfulfilling was not worth living. So I started to take my opioids and mix them with alcohol. I would get in the car and I would drive after drinking a whole fifth, hope that I would get in a car accident that would end it all. I swallowed a whole bottle of my oxycodones, hoping that I wouldn't wake up the next day. I wrote my suicide letter. I made up my mind that I was going to drive off the side of the road. And if it was not for my mother who threw herself on the hood of my car and begged me to allow her to get me help, I wouldn't be here today. And I went to a psychiatric unit. I was broken. I had just tried to starve myself to death. So I was 219 pounds, um, where just four weeks earlier, I was 275. I was crying and I was painful. And all of my insecurities were being validated that nobody really cared about me other than my athletic ability. The phone stopped ringing. Nobody was asking me to be interviewed. As fans, you have the power to change the mental health of an athlete. I was hoping that somebody who wanted to interview me would reach out and say, hey, man, how's it going? How can I help you? But nobody did. It was silent. And the silence was hard. It made me feel like I didn't matter. So I was like, what's the point of me living through this pain if nobody even cares anyways? So I'm in the psychiatric unit, and while I'm there, there's this nurse that comes up to me. She says there's too many people um, that come back here, but God told me that I, I need to come back here, even though I don't have the jurisdiction to be back here in this part of the hospital, and tell you that you need to say yes to him. And because I was agnostic at the time and because I had been hurt by church people before, I told her, no, that's your God. A few moments later, my grandmother came in the room. She had heard that I was in the hospital. My mom called her. She burst through the door. She was out of breath, and she wrapped me in her arms, and she said, I was praying for you the whole way here. God told me, you know exactly what to do. You need to say yes to him. I said, Grandma, you're religious. You're supposed to say that. That's not going to, saying yes to God isn't going to heal my back. It isn't going to get me my girlfriend back who had left me after four and a half years. It isn't going to change my life. Saying yes isn't going to do anything. And then I heard this still small voice of God whisper to me, son, will you say yes? And it was something about hearing the father's voice that gave me the strength to mutter, yes, Lord. In the moment that I said yes, the depression that I was under for years immediately left me. My eyes at the point were swollen shut because I had been crying so hard for days on end that my eyes literally got healed in the moment and I could open them and see it so good. It felt so good. I didn't know what else to do. I just kept screaming, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Amen. The doctor hears me screaming. He comes in the room and he's like, what's going on? I literally said to him, I was running from God and I just put my faith in Jesus. He said, all right, let's send them upstairs to the unit. (laughs) He thought I was going crazy. The moral of the story is that's what began my journey. It was Jesus who gave me identity beyond sports. It was Jesus who walked me through that suicidal to successful phase in life. He showed me my purpose. He helped me when I wanted to quit. And he's been guiding me ever since. And he's the only thing that can help us. He's the only thing we need. He's been around for a while and he knows what he's doing. So if you're listening, there's two things that I would love for you to do. Number one. If you uh, are not a believer, we ask you to consider Jesus. He's real. He's alive. He's inactive. And what I love about him is that he's relevant. Mm. Scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Without getting preachy, 
here's all that you need to know. He cares about you. He wants relationship with you. It's not about you behaving to please him. It's about you being in relationship and believing in him. That's number one. Put your faith in Jesus and carry that message wherever you go. Number two, I want you to help me spread this this book. Um, in this book, I talk about my battles with mental health. I talk about how alone I felt. Mm. I almost quit like five times. It took me five years to write this thing. And it's not the sweetest book. It's not, you know, John Maxwell or anything, man. It's probably not Tony Dungy's. But let me tell you what it what it's done so far in just a week of being released yesterday. I got a text message from a a kid that got his hands on my book. It was the day after he got out of the psychiatric unit. He just tried last Monday to take his own life. And he gets out. And he's a former athlete. And he reads this book. And he reaches out to our team. And he calls me and he says, everything you're saying is me. And he said, I, I just don't know what to do. I just, how long will this last? Mm. And anyone who's ever faced depression and knows how hard it is to crack a smile, mm. within 30 minutes, we were laughing on the phone. Gosh. You can help that for 14 bucks. <laughs> Be a gift to an athlete because nobody knew that I was struggling. Mm. They saw the athlete. They saw the success. They saw the smile. I was externally successful, but inwardly failing. Mm. And our athletes need help. And I'm asking for help to spread this message across the world. It's awesome. Man, Daryl, I, I, I'm so thankful you, you shared all of that. And, and so thankful that God gave you the strength to write this book. Who am I after sports? And what a, a simple question that's so profound and powerful and it connects with, with so many people. Um, you know, I've got the privilege of interviewing a lot of former athletes and, and they come on and we, we talk about their transition a lot and, and it's, it is not easy for these guys to figure out what to do next. And, um, they didn't have this book, you know, many of them that, that I've talked to over the yeah. years. So to now have this book for guys to be able to, to resonate with it. And, um, you know, guys that, that, and that were the high school star that didn't make it to college, those guys, relate to this the guys in college didn't make the pros and then the pros when it's up time is up and what they thought would be a 10-year career is only a three-year career a one-year career the guy that thought they'd go from the practice squad to the pro bowl only made it to the practice squad and 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 you know we see guys too that tom brady's still playing at 43 he still wants to be an athlete he's still there's something that that's continuing to drive him to be out there um and so there's so many layers to it and so i appreciate your your perspective and to, to dig deep and to you know, understand what you went through to then relate it to, to all these other guys. Um, it, it's, it's, it's powerful and incredible. And, and I think too, you know, you found a unique niche, this, this athletic identity. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we can relate to it. You know, I was a radio host and I had a, a radio identity for many, many years and now I've transitioned to a podcast. And so I lost what I thought was a, a, the radio identity and have, have transitioned in a different way uh, in this last year. But the crazy thing is God's blessed the unpacking at ministry beyond the, the radio show and all that this year in incredible ways because I, I did transition from the radio show. So 
anyway, I could you know share my own story on that in that regard. But um, but identity is so key. So many people wrestle with it. So many people struggle with it. And so uh, I just want to affirm you and and thank you. Thank and, you. Um, and and that's my uh, my big takeaway. So uh, yeah. So I, I appreciate that. But thank you. And and you you hit on something that we we don't even have the time to unpack. We got to do a part two. But right. I've been told that exactly what you said is true. That. Um, that the principles in this book is transferable to any industry. And so uh, they told me that the next edition needs to be who am I after this? And we need to turn, expand our brand to second chance athletes, to second chance entrepreneurs, second chance CEOs, second chance marriages. Uh, Because if you're ever in a season where you're trying to figure out what's next, um, I'm not who I used to be, but I don't know where I want to be yet. I want to know my highest purpose. I want to, I want to be successful and make an impact. And these principles from this book can help you. So whether you're an athlete or not, uh, whether you feel like you know your purpose or you just know that or not, (laughs) this book can help you move forward. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love that idea of, of thinking about what's, what's already been uh, accomplished. And, and, you know, even for me, I, I, I've got the mentality of I'm, I'm always on to the next thing and, and what can we do next and, and how do we grow and, and, and the value of pausing, enjoying, celebrating, thanking, turning to God in, in, in gratitude and, and appreciation. Um, it really does change your outlook. And, and on the days that I'm discouraged, like, man, we haven't gone far enough. We haven't done enough. Or to your point earlier, what if we would have done this or what if we would have done that? But man, look at all that God has done. All that God has done. And even this week, I was thinking, unpacking has been around for seven years. And sometimes I'm like, oh, man, have we done enough in seven years? Like, we should have done this or that. But then it's like, wait a second. All that, that God has, has done through us and we've accomplished as a ministry and the work that he's doing. And, and man, when we, when we shift our mindset to that, you're right. The, the depression lifts and, and, and some of the other emotions that come along with that lift. And so, uh, man, I appreciate it. I, I identify with it and connect with it. And it's it's my honor, man. And if you're listening to this and you're 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 on top of the mountain and you're like, man, this is an inspiring message, I can guarantee you one thing that you know somebody who needs to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Please share with them because uh, one message of encouragement, one little phrase, even hearing my goofy laugh might make somebody come out of depression and break that train of thought. Yeah. And if you are listening to this, you're like, man, I needed to hear this. this. I'm struggling. I'm an athlete or, you know, my marriage just dissolved and, and I got furloughed and whatever. I want to tell you that you're going to win when you don't quit. The key to victory, the key to success in any area of life is to hang in there and keep swinging. Mm. Life will throw you punches, but as long as you keep swinging, you're going to win man no that's that's awesome well daryl i feel like we've we've only scratched the surface but um but but we'll we'll end it there and because I, I think there's so many takeaways and and we'll allow that to uh to set in for people and 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 we'll we'll do this again and i think there's some other directions that we can even go with this for sure and yeah i'd love to man and, and a lot to unpack uh in your book who am i after sports and so I encourage everyone to, uh, to check that out. It, it's an, an athlete's roadmap to discover new purpose and live fulfilled. And, and ultimately, that's what we all desire. We want to live with purpose and live fulfilled. And, and, and like Daryl said, it's found in Christ. And then to move forward with him, in him, and, and to continue to persevere and, and figure out what, what the Lord has for us next. And, and that's an exciting place to be for sure. 
So, uh, so Daryl, wish you the best with the book. Keep, keep getting it in, into the hands of, of athletes and, and, and coaches for their athletes. And so uh, we as fans, we got to rally around athletes and, and players as well because um, we, we play a key role in that, that too. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for your time. All the listeners, thank you for tuning in. Go share, go buy the book and and go go help us help athletes. And Bryce, thank you so much for bringing this message of faith in sports around the world, man. Uh, You guys are amazing. And uh, you've got a fan in me. (laughs) Well, thanks so much, man. There's Daryl Stinson joining us here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Man, what I tell you, that was a wow interview. So I I hope you thought that as well, and I I hope you had some uh, just takeaways yourself but but also hopefully your your mind was opened up a, a little bit and even your heart to understand what many of the athletes that we cheer for on Friday Saturday Sunday Monday Thursday whatever night but we, we, we root for these guys and then what they go through following the end of their career and even in the middle of their career I would say as they're dealing with injuries and and their sport is taken away from them and you can look at it this, you know, from the standpoint of, hey, it's just sports and come on, you just, just move on. And we, we all, our career ends it at one point or another. And, and I understand that. I do. But we have to have a little bit more empathy and understanding in, in that regard. And, you know, my, my career ended in probably my basketball career in eighth, ninth grade. Uh, partly because of a, an ankle injury, but that was tough because I wanted to be a high school basketball player and it didn't happen. And so I had a transition at that time. Um, my football career ended when I got cut from the middle school football team. And so I had a transition and it's so all of us go through it. But when, when it, especially at the highest level college and, and pro, when that was their entire life, all of their, their friends, their weekends, their after school, their, you know, all their if they made it to the pros how they earned a living all of that is then gone when the final whistle blows and the final call from a coach and says hey you're done or when a player knows that their body is done their mind is done and they say hey I can't do this anymore I'm I'm, I'm out then they have to transition and and so who am I after sports and and for any of us too I think the sports Angle is awesome and, and, and so much to explore, and I'm looking forward to reading that book. But, but for all of us, we choose to either be scared or excited about the transition. Because all of us transition, I would say, relatively regularly. And, and life is all about change and, and things, new seasons and new years and, and all of that. And so how do we we pivot and how do we embrace the changes and, and, and what's new. And, and ultimately if our identity is in Christ and if we are trusting the Lord each step of the way, then we can have hope and optimism regardless of the transition and the change that takes place. And, and sometimes we experience change, you know, based on our choices and, and all that. And then other times it's because of, uh, disappointment or not what we had planned 
And and then how do we respond? Do we respond to the transition with excitement or fear and and worry? And to me, the option to choose excitement is the better one because we then open ourselves up to say, all right, now the Lord is going to open up some some new door that maybe I never even thought about. And and I you know for Daryl when his college football career ended, did he ever think that he would be uh, you know, a, a, a author and a, a speaker and a founder of his own organization that that reaches athletes, and uh, he's a pastor as well, and so he's impacting people for the kingdom and and impacting people, you know, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, all those kinds of things in such a powerful way. And so for us, you know, it's that that old cliche when when one door closes, another opens, and and that's an exciting thing. And, and it's hard in the moment. It really is. And, and even, even the life transitions when it comes to transitioning from the season of being in our, our parents' home to college, to then after college, to getting married, to having the first child, then transitioning to the second child, and, and all the transitions throughout our, our jobs and, and our career and, and the, the transition to a, a new neighborhood or a new city and, and, all of those things take place, and and what is our mindset? And it goes back to, you know, who am I after sports? And and to Daryl's point, who am I after blank? We all have to decide that. We all have to, to figure that out. And so if I continue to be, I am a follower of Jesus, I am surrendered to him and his will and his purposes, then that gives us the excitement to embrace the new season, the new opportunity, the letting go of what you know was and and even today I was thinking about me at college because I, I loved college I absolutely loved it I was doing radio in college and and just I lived with six other guys and just had so much fun everything was great I loved it we had multiple TVs and stadium seating in our house and people would come over and watch games and all that was fun but I've now transitioned out of that and and that was a great season of life, but where I, the, the season that I'm in now is also very exciting. What's going on with unpacking it? And I've got a young daughter and uh, a great wife, and and we're we're living in a new part of town, and so there's there's so much excitement there. And we transitioned to uh, a new church and all that sort of thing. So um, hopefully, some of that is encouraging to you. And and again, the the sports aspect of it that Daryl writes about and and we talked about with him, I think is is great and eye-opening for us as sports fans, but I do think there, there, there are principles and takeaways and similarities that, that we can identify even with the athletes that, that transition. And, and for them, there's a unique aspect to it that they personally have to go through that maybe we can't fully understand, but I do think we can have some empathy and, and compassion uh, for them as well. So we'd love to know your thoughts on this topic let me know if you get the book and, and what you think of the book. Uh, again, it's, it's who, am, who Am I After Sports? An Athlete's Roadmap to Discover New Purpose and Live Fulfilled. Because that's what we all want. We want purpose. We want to be fulfilled. And ultimately, that's found in Christ. And so as we wrap things up, as you know, if you've listened to this show before, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. I hope you feel encouraged, 
And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.